The gospel lesson for today is taken from Matthew chapter 18, reading verses 21 through verse 35. Matthew 18, beginning at verse 21. Then Peter approached him and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother who sins against me, as many as seven times? I tell you, not as many as seven, Jesus replied, but seventy times seven. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle accounts, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought before him. Since he did not have the money to pay it back, his master commanded that he, his wife, and his children, and everything he had be sold to pay the debt. At this the servant fell face down before him and said, Be patient with me, and I will pay you everything. Then the master of that servant had compassion, released him, and forgave him the loan. That servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him, started choking him, and said, Pay what you owe. At this, his fellow servant fell down and began begging him, Be patient with me, and I'll pay you back. But he wasn't willing. Instead, he went and threw him into prison until he could pay what he owed. When the other servants saw what had taken place, they were deeply distressed and went and reported to their master everything that had happened. Then after he had summoned him, his master said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Shouldn't you also have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And because he was angry, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay everything that was owed. So also... My Heavenly Father will do to you unless every one of you forgives his brother from your heart. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for the forgiveness that you offer us through Jesus Christ, who paid that huge debt of sin. And thank you, Lord Jesus, that when we have been forgiven, you give us the grace to forgive those who have sinned against us. And so, Father, teach us today what it means not only to be forgiven, but what it means to be willing to forgive when someone has wronged us. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The wife of a Zulu chief attended a Salvation Army meeting, and she was gloriously saved. She put her trust in Jesus. When her husband heard of what happened, he threatened her. He said, if you go back to that meeting, I will beat you. She went. She loved the Lord, and she wanted to learn more about Him, and so she went to the meeting, and when he found out, as she was on her way back, he went and found her and savagely beat her almost to the point of death and left her there. His curiosity got him 
And so he went back to see what was going on with his wife. And she was laying there, eyes closed and almost dead. And then he asked her, and and what can your Jesus do for you now? And she opened her eyes and gently said, He enables me to forgive you. That's what Jesus does. He enables us when we have been forgiven, when we know what it is that our debt has been paid, then when we've been wronged, we are able to forgive. So what does it mean to forgive? How do we know if we have forgiven someone? Notice, first of all, when we forgive, we refuse to keep a record of wrongs. In the verses just prior to this passage, uh, Jesus outlines what we are to do when a brother sins against us. Uh, we call this the Matthew 18 principle because it's found in Matthew 18. You go to that person one on one. If that doesn't work, you bring one or two with you. If that doesn't work, you bring it to the church. And what is the goal in all of that is restoration. That that relationship might be restored. Well, Peter was listening to that and he starts wondering, okay, how many times do you do this? How many times do you forgive your brother when he sins against you? So he's thinking like an accountant. (laughs) We got an accountant here, right? Thinking like an accountant. How many times? And so he offers this to Jesus. He says, Lord, how often shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Peter may have thought that Jesus was going to commend him. Say, wow, that's amazing. Seven times. What a wonderful thing. Because it was common in those days, at least the Jewish teachers said, that you needed to forgive someone three times. Okay? After three, that's it. Don't need to forgive him again. So what did Peter do? He doubled it, added one for good measure, came up with the number seven, and since seven is the number of completion, Peter figured, well, after seven, I've completed the number of times that I need to forgive my brother. The answer that Jesus gave was probably a bit shocking. Because Jesus said, Peter, I do not say to you up to seven times, but 70 times seven. Now, if you know your multiplication tables, what is that? 490 times. Now, lest you think that Jesus is thinking like an accountant... (laughs) He is not speaking literally here that you've got this spreadsheet or you've got this chart and you keep filling in the boxes when someone wrongs you. You get up to 490 and you say, okay, finally, I don't have to forgive my husband anymore or my wife or whoever it is. Jesus isn't speaking literally here. What is he saying? He's saying there isn't a formula. There isn't a number that you reach. What's he saying? It's unlimited. As many times as someone sins against you, you need to be willing to forgive them. But sadly, many people live by Peter's forgiveness formula. 
They can be wronged just a few times, maybe even once. Maybe even once. And they refuse to forgive. Do you realize what, kind, what this kind of thinking does to relationships? There isn't a relationship that could survive that. What would it be like in your marriage if you had on the refrigerator a chart of seven blocks and every time you sin against your spouse, they put a check mark on that box and say, okay, I forgive you. And you're looking, okay, I'm up to five. I got two more. How would a marriage survive? How would any relationship survive if that's how you view forgiveness? What's the problem here? There's a fundamental problem if that's how you approach forgiveness. It can be traced back to a lack of love. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 5 says that love keeps no record of wrongs. Love keeps no record of wrongs. That's a bookkeeping picture there. One who records transactions in a ledger to give an accounting of all that's been received or spent. Paul says love does not do that. Love doesn't keep a ledger of all the wrongs that have been done. And the reason why is because God does not do that, does he? Romans 4.8, Paul says, Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will not take into account. Same word. 2 Corinthians 5.19 says, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting, not counting their trespasses against them. So if God doesn't do that to me, what right... Do I think I have to do that to others? Because that's what people will say. I have a right to feel this way. I have a right not to forgive. After all, look what they've done to me. I have a right to be bitter. You have no right to be bitter. Never do you have a right to be bitter. It's time to stop counting and start forgiving. Why? Because when we genuinely forgive, we don't keep a record. That's gone. We don't bring it up again. That's gone. Forgiven. When we forgive, we refuse to keep a record of wrongs. Second thing, when we, refu- or when we forgive, we refuse to hang on to past hurts. If you read through the text, you'll notice the word forgive is used four times. It's the same Greek word every time, and it gives us really a beautiful picture of forgiveness. It means literally to send away. So when God forgives you, what does he do with your sin? He sends it away. And we have all kinds of pictures of that in Scripture, don't we? Psalm 103, as far as the east is from the west... So far has he removed our transgression, sent it away? The book of Micah, chapter 7, he has cast our sins into the depths of the sea, no longer a part of us, sent away. And my favorite picture is the Day of Atonement. You got those two goats, remember? 
one goat was offered as a sacrifice, and then the other goat, the priest would confess the sins of the nation over that goat and send it out into the wilderness. You know what they called that goat? The scapegoat. Think of that picture. Here the high priest placing on that goat the sins of the nation and then watching that goat being sent out into the wilderness. What a beautiful picture. I saw that one Sunday at a church where the pastor had a live goat that came up during the service. A lady brought it up with a rope. And prior to that sermon, we were to take a little yellow sticky note and write on there one a sin that we wanted to confess. And then he collected them, put them in these bags on this goat. And then we watched it walk off the stage. And they had a camera. You saw the goat walking down the hall. You saw him going out the building. And then this church was kind of on a hill. You saw that goat walking through the grass over the hill and then it was gone. It was silence as people were watching that. It was powerful. Because it reminded me of what God has done with my sins. They are gone. They are sent away. They are forgiven. And if you're wondering how many sins God has forgiven you, it's a lot. Look at the picture given in the parable. Verse 23, For this reason the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he had begun to settle them, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. But since he did not have the means to repay, his Lord commanded him to be sold along with his wife and children and all that he had and repayment be made. What are you going to do if you owe 10,000 talents to the king? You're going to be able to pay that? Hardly. So the slave fell to the ground, prostrated himself before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I'll repay you everything. Ha! Good luck. And the Lord of that slave felt compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. Now, I've read all kinds of commentaries trying to come up with a dollar figure for 10,000 talents. And I suppose it depends on when it was written and so forth. And it's just like, okay, all of these different figures. I think there's a better way to understand this. A talent was the highest unit of currency in those days. And 10,000 was at that time the highest Greek numeral. So the man in Jesus' parable owed a debt of the highest or largest imaginable amount. And guess what? He was forgiven. That debt that he could never have ever paid was forgiven. The Lord of that slave felt compassion and released him and forgave the debt. Pretty amazing. And the point that Jesus is making making here is obvious. How many times have you sinned against God? If we sin in thought, word, deed, 
omission, things we should have done that we ought not to have done, how big do you think your debt of sin is? Is it more than seven? Boy, you shouldn't have to wonder about that, huh? More than 490? You shouldn't have to wonder about that. Think of how many times in your lifetime, in my lifetime, I have sinned against God. Could I ever pay that debt? Never. Who did? Jesus did. And when we come to Him asking for His mercy, what do we hear? Be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven. Sent away. But then someone sins against us. Never said this. I have a hard time forgiving him. We hang on to that bitterness. When we see that person, what's the first thing we think of? If it's what they've done to us, then we'd have to say, I'm hanging on to that. I haven't forgiven, and I ought to. I remember visiting a lady who told me about what one person had done to her and how they had hurt her. I thought this was maybe last week or a couple weeks ago. It was 30 years ago. 30 years ago. She was still hanging on to that for 30 years. I said, Margaret, you need to let that go. It's eating you up inside. Yeah, but you know what she did to me or he did to me? I said, I don't really care what they did to you. That's not the issue. If you claim to be forgiven by God... How can you hang on to that? Let it go. When we forgive, we refuse to hang on to those past hurts. Notice thirdly, when we forgive, we refuse to respond with anger. After the slave in Jesus' parable was forgiven his enormous debt, look what he did. Verse 28, But that slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. And he seized him and began to choke him, saying, Pay back what you owe. Now, we have another number here. We had 10,000 talents. Now we've got a hundred denarii. How much was that? A denarii, or a denarii, I have pronounced it, was one denarii was a day's wages. So if you multiply that times 100, you have almost four months' wages. Now, that's not an insignificant thing, would we say, right? If someone owed you four months' wages, now, Bible school students, that wouldn't be much, right? But for most people, four months' wages would be a pretty significant amount, wouldn't it? So we don't want to minimize this as if what this man was owed was just, you know, this 
tiny uh, amount. It, it had some, some significance. But you compare that with what he was forgiven, and it pales in significance, doesn't it? 10,000 talents versus 100 denarii. There's a tremendous difference there. And there's also a tremendous difference between the thousands of times that we have sinned against God and the few times that someone else has sinned against us. So who are we to withhold from others Forgiveness when God has forgiven us. We have no excuse. No excuse. And here's this guy. He owed him four months wages. And he goes out and grabs him by the neck and chokes him. Pay me what you owe. Quite shocking to notice his response. Throws him into prison until he should pay back. What he owed? I assume most of us wouldn't do that. I don't think any of you have done that. Have you gone and grabbed someone by the neck and tell them to, to pay you back? But do you respond to those who have wronged you with angry words, either to them, or how about about them, to others? Do you rehearse in your mind what you'd like to do to that person? <laughs> Boy, if I had the chance... Here's what I'd do. Or how about this, a little more spiritual. Do you wish that God would make them pay for what they've done? It's interesting to compare the conversations between the slave and the king with this man and his fellow slave. Because you'll notice they're almost word for word. Verse 26, So the slave fell to the ground and prostrated himself before the king, saying, have patience with me, and I will repay you everything. So he goes then and he finds this servant who owes him a hundred denarii. Verse 29, have patience with me, and I will repay you. Almost the exact same words. You'd think it would have rung a bell in his mind. This is what the king just said to me. This is what I just said to the king. But it had no impact on him. He threw his fellow slave in prison. Until he should pay back what he owed. Doesn't that bother you when you see the attitude of the one who was forgiven? You see that attitude? Here you've been forgiven a huge debt. 10,000 talents you were forgiven. And then you go and find someone who owes you a hundred denarii and you're going to choke him and throw him in prison? It bothered the fellow slaves. Verse 31 says, So when his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were deeply grieved and came and reported to their Lord all that had happened. Can't you picture that conversation? These slaves coming to the king and say, You know what the one you forgave 10,000 talents did? And the king was not happy. So they went and told the king, here's, here's what happened. 
And maybe that illustrates what we ought to do when we see a brother who is unwilling to forgive. We bring it to the Lord and say, Lord, look what's happening among your people. Look what's happening among your servants. One author says, Christians should be deeply grieved when a fellow believer is unforgiving. Because his hardness of heart not only tends to drive the offender deeper into sin, but also causes dissension and division within the church. It tarnishes its testimony before the world and it deeply grieves the Lord himself. Is there someone you need to pray for? Is there someone you know who is unwilling to forgive for the sake of their soul? You need to pray for them. And that's clear when you look at the fourth lesson of this parable, the end of the story. When we forgive, we release our souls from God's judgment. When the king heard what the forgiven slave did to his fellow slaves, he was angry. Verse 32, Then summoning him, his Lord said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave And notice this phrase, in the same way, in the same way that I had mercy on you. And his Lord moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed him. And then Jesus ends with this statement, my heavenly father will also do the same to you. If each of you does not forgive His brother from your heart. Jesus is very clear here, isn't he? What he requires of us when our brother has sinned against us, he tells us that we are to forgive in the same way, in the same way that God forgives us. What did Paul say? Ephesians 4.32, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, Forgiving each other just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Exactly what Jesus said. Colossians 3 verses 12 and 13. So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. What do we pray in the Lord's Prayer? Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. What are we asking God to do? We're saying, God, you forgive me in the way that I forgive others. And so if I'm unwilling to forgive 
others. What does that mean? After the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, Jesus says this, verses 14 and 15. For if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. That's a scary thing, isn't it? For those who will not forgive. Chuck Swindoll told a story of a seminary student who was looking for a summer internship and was interviewed actually by the church where Swindoll was a pastor. He didn't get the position, but he told the story of what had happened to him. He was a bus driver trying to support himself while going to seminary on the south side of Chicago. Not the friendliest part of Chicago. And there were some guys that came on the bus, refused to pay, and got off, and they did that for for days. Finally, one day, he's driving the bus, and they were on the bus, refused to pay, saw a police officer. And so he pulled the bus over, told the police officer what had happened, and so the guys paid. And after the bus took off, they assaulted him. Beat him up, lost some teeth, black eyes, just beat him up. And so he's saying, Lord, I'm trying to serve you. I want to honor you in what I do. And is this the thanks that I get? There's human nature coming through, right? Well, those men were rounded up. They were brought to trial. And that seminary student went there that day to that courtroom. And after the charges were presented, he said, I would like to serve their time for what they have done. The judge says, this has never happened before. And that seminary student said, oh, yes, it has. And he told the story of Jesus. Yes, it has, Your Honor. Jesus served our time. Jesus paid our price. And he had the opportunity to share the gospel in that courtroom. And then he turned to the ones who had beat him up. And he said, I forgive you. And not only did he do that, he went and visited these guys in jail and he led some of them to Jesus. There's the power of forgiveness. When you are willing to forgive, God, is, God can do some wonderful things. But you hang on to that. You keep that record of wrong. That is going to eat you up inside. Jesus said, I forgive you. And if we've been forgiven that huge debt of our sin, what can we say to others but the same? I forgive you. Just as we have been forgiven, by the grace of God, we forgive.
Let's pray. Lord Jesus, help us to understand the debt that you have paid for us. The sins that you have forgiven. The debt that we could never, ever pay back. But you canceled that debt for us. God, you made him, Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Oh God, thank you for that forgiveness. Help us then, Lord, when we have been wronged, to be willing to forgive as you have forgiven us. These things we pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.